Welcome to the Attractions Group Podcast, Episode 17. I'm Ryan Sir. With me, as always, is Don Helbig. Don, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Ryan. You know, um, IAPA right around the corner next week. Really looking forward to that. And uh, that's a segue into our, our guest on the Attractions Group Podcast. We'd like to welcome in Matthew Miller. He's the Senior Director of Technology and Business Development for the Orlando Informer. It's a very popular website, all about the central uh, Florida theme park scene. Matthew, welcome to the podcast, and tell us about the Orlando Informer. Hey, guys. Well, it's uh, great to speak with you today. Thanks for, Thanks being for on. having me. And yeah, so at OrlandoInformer.com, uh, you know, we're a website. We cover all the parks, uh, you know, in Central Florida, and uh, we're just a bunch of theme parks. We're able to do a daytime ticket, evening events that we call the Orlando Informer Meetup, and our hope is, you know, if you come to the site that, uh, you know, we got the information that can help you have a better trip and make the most of your time uh, at the theme park so again thanks for having me today awesome well thanks for being on really it's really an honor um how did you get started doing the orlando informer well i um i didn't start it uh you know I, the gentleman that i work with now uh his name's taylor strickland he's the the owner the ceo of it and actually my involvement goes way back to 2012 um at that time taylor um, he was a middle schooler, and I was speaking at a, a media event for Halloween Horror Nights at Universal Orlando. And he came up to me and said, hey, man, you know, one day can I do what you're doing? And I said, sure. So uh, he'd come up one Saturday a month, and we'd spend time in the parks together. And over time, we just built a relationship. And, you know, I thought a lot of him, and, you know, I could kind of tell out the gate, you know, he was going to be something special. And uh, long story short, as I was mentoring him, he had a chance to start working at Orlando Informer which later turned into an opportunity for him to acquire Orlando Informer. Uh, and then while I was working at Universal, he said, hey, you know what? We've known each other for a while. You know, I think we get along well. I think we could run a business together. Would you come over and help me? Uh, so I ended up leaving Universal and uh, came over to help him run the business and uh, been there for uh, just over three years now. All right. Well, Matthew, aside from the website, uh, where else can people find the Orlando? Orlando Informer, you know, what are the other things that you're known for? Where else are going to, are people going to come across you? Sure. So uh, I think where you're really going to see us is on social media. Uh, if it's YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, um, you know, we, we love, we love our social media presence and we love connecting with our community on social media. So that's a big place, especially um, we've got a universal community by Orlando Informer. Um, I think we're up to about 150, 155,000 uh, members of that community as of today. And that is a great way, uh, you know, for folks to join in. Uh, they can hang out with like-minded people and, you know, they can obviously see what we're up to as well. But uh, Orlando Informer across all social media channels, you'll be able to find us. Right. Now, you mentioned TikTok. You know, that's a new emerging channel that, uh, you know, last couple of years has really taken off. How does that fit with what you do? So, for us, the way that it fits is we've got some videographers and some photographers that we're really proud of. Shout out to Trevor. If he's watching this, he's one of the, the leaders over there. And, um, you know, we're able to take video content, place it on TikTok. And, you know, some of those videos, you know, they, they, they really shoot up, you know, in, in terms of viewership. And uh, one cool thing about it is, is like you've got your existing community that follows you and watches it. But also, you know, if, if you have a video that takes off, let's say 10, 20, 100,000, and views, then you get exposure to people that maybe love the theme parks, but they're not familiar with you. So obviously, do the TikTok algorithm. You know, they're seeing your content. Who's Orlando Informer? You know, wow, this is a really you know cool video. And then you know, it gives us an opportunity, uh, you know, to meet new people and to allow them to be a part of our community as well. All right, awesome. So you know, you're you're you know one of the accepted experts in the uh, you know the Orlando theme park scene. So. Tell me about your thoughts on like the Disney reservation system. Do you think that that helps the guest experience or do you think that that is a deterrent of the guest experience? I think that this is a trick question. I think that it depends on how you use it. So I feel that if you are someone that really understands the parks, right? Right. So let me take a pause from a business standpoint. It makes sense, right? If I want to be able to control crowd flow, number of people in a park, number of people in an attraction, right? Want to do some Q-less stuff, that sort of thing. It's great. And if I am a guest that understands that, while I may not love some things about it, like, hey, I can't, you know, get some things until 7 a.m. the day of, hey, there's some things that maybe run out more quickly than I would like. But if I have an understanding of it, it really gives me an opportunity to do some things 
compared to, you know, let's say that, you know, Joe from Idaho, right? I come to Disney once every four years. You know, I think there's three parks. Maybe there's six. I'm not sure. But I love Mickey Mouse. It's like, you know, where am I going to see them at? And then I go to the park and suddenly I'm told, hey, you know, like, you need a reservation for this. Do you have the mobile app? Like, you can't just get in line for this attraction anymore. You know, you had to be here four hours ago to, you know, to be able to get a reservation and get on the attraction. That is when I feel like, you know, it, it can be tricky and it can possibly hurt the guest experience for some people. Um, another thing, too, that I think is telling is, is, you know, there are some you know bloggers, groups or whatever, that they're starting a business model of just teaching that product to others. Like, hey, you're coming to Disney, right? Like, I can teach you how to use the app. I can teach you how to make a reservation. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that, right? I mean, you know, heck, in our business, we want to inform people. Mm-hmm. We want to help them learn how to use things. But. But if it is so complex that the general public can't easily understand it, then I think that on the long term could be a problem. All right. Well, Matthew, Universal, they're certainly on the move with the addition of Epic Universe. What are your thoughts on what you've heard so far about that project? So, one, I'm very excited. Um, I got to tell you, you know, I live in Central Florida, so I drive by the convention center, drive down the airport. You can't miss it. There's you know, it, it looks like there's three dozen cranes out there. You know, I don't know how many. And heck, when you guys come for IAPA next week, you're not going to be able to miss it. I mean, you're going to be coming on the interstate. You're going to see, you know, what appears to be sound stages, attractions getting built, and cra- just rows and rows of cranes. Um, in terms of what is going into the park, you know, obviously you don't want to speak about any rumors. You know, Universal has held their cards very close to their chest. Um, I believe that, you know, they did make an announcement about Super Nintendo World coming. We've seen that in Osaka. Um, you know, they're opening up a version of it in Hollywood, University of Hollywood, and they've announced it is coming to Epic Universe. But outside of that, there's a lot of speculation, of, but nothing that's been announced, right? So I'm going to stay away from that for now. But what I will say is location, location, location. I think it is amazing that they are just a stone's throw away from the convention center right in the middle of Orlando. Um, you know, all of that convention traffic, you know, the new train that they're wanting to bring in. Um, it's right next to the main interstate line that goes to the airport. Um, I think it's a perfect location. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, sticking on the, you know, the subject of the theme parks in Orlando, uh, SeaWorld just announced the surf coaster. And that's been, um, yeah. you know, very anticipated and rumored and patents being pulled and stuff. What are your thoughts on the surf coaster product? Um, I'm excited. I've got to tell you, I, I haven't been on a lot of stand-up coasters, but I've been on a couple. Uh, they weren't necessarily the most comfortable experience uh, for me, but this one looks like it's got a couple of things that I've never experienced before. Uh, one is it has a launch um, as a stand-up coaster. Uh, that is not something that I've ever been on before, and I don't think there are others. There may be somebody can fact-check me on that, uh, but if that's not brand new, that is super unique. Um, but what really stands out to me is if you watch some of the animations they've released, they've talked about uh, on the RVs, on the ride vehicle, this new design that makes it so you're hopping waves, and you'll see in the video – uh, the animation of the guests that are riding it, they appear to bounce sort of in the, in the seat, if you will. You can see their knees going up and down. That is super unique to, to have this ride vehicle on a coaster, you know, that, that can move in that manner. Um, I'm excited to see, you know, does it feel like you're surfing? I, I think it will. So <laughs> we'll see how it comes out. All right. Well, Matthew, circling back to the Disney parks, my all-time favorite show, Fantasmic. It returned last week. Uh, talk about you know, your thoughts on that show and its return. One, I got to be honest with you. I didn't know if it was going to come back, you know, after COVID, some things were cut, you know, it's, it's been a while. Uh, there wasn't really, you know, any announcements of like, you know, Hey, you know, a year from now, this is coming, you know, it just kind of, just kind of sat there dormant. And then suddenly it's like, Hey, it is coming back. Uh, not only is it coming back, there's going to be some changes to it. Uh, so I love Fantasmic. Um, that is one of my, if not favorite, uh, live show that, that Disney puts on. I think it's a great end of the night there at Disney's Hollywood Studios. Um, and we've had some people. Now, I personally did not go out last week, but we had some people from our team that did. Um, might have saw some of the photos, you know, just thousands of people that showed up, you know, the just a, a crowd, a sea of people. Uh, but they were able to get in and loved it. Um, you know, obviously the, the overall show is still basically the same, uh, but some new effects, some new show scenes, uh, you know, some new IPs, characters added. Uh, so really happy to see it back. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I saw the photo of just the crowds upon crowds of people back by, um, I think it's, 
God, I haven't been to Hollywood Studios in a while, but uh, near like uh, where the Beauty and the Beast show is and stuff, just uh, mm-hmm. this was at like three o'clock, so hours and hours away from the actual show. So kudos to them. Uh, excited about that as well. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, a couple hundred, well, a couple hundred, a couple uh, miles away over at Epcot. Uh, kind of a different story. They had Illuminations, which in my opinion is the greatest show that's ever happened in the history of the world. And um, they've had a little bit of trouble, like kind of a tumultuous history of replacing it. Uh, it seems like it had some big shoes to fill and um, there's a bit of a scramble now because they had a temporary show and then they replaced it and now they're talking about replacing it again. What are your thoughts on that, that whole that whole uh, situation? Yeah, that's that's a tough one. You know, when when these parks go and do their master planning, you know, you, you never really know what that is, right? So obviously, you know, all the major parks, really any park, they, they never show their full plan to begin with, right? So, you know, it, it's kind of hard to say, was the initial plan, hey, you know, over the next four years, we're going to do a new show every year, roughly. <laughs> uh, my, my thought is that probably was not the original plan, but, you know, I don't want to speak for them, maybe it was. Um, but you're right. You know, it's we're you know we're replacing it, and then we've got a new show. But this is you know we got Epcot forever. But you know that isn't the 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 new show. That's just kind of the mid new show. And there's another new show coming. We hope you love it. Okay, well, it hadn't been out that long. You know, we've got the anniversary year ending. We're gonna go ahead and replace it again. Uh, so honestly, I think part of it is just guest confusion. You know, like especially if you're a guest that you know comes once every three four years. You know, this is the second or third iteration of that show since your previous trip to Walt Disney World. And, you know, maybe you're still looking for the original animations, or maybe you've heard about Epcot or whatever the next show is. I feel like there's a lot of confusion there. All right, Matthew, the industry, the parks, they've just wrapped up the Halloween season. Uh, Some of the most recognizable Halloween events in the industry right there in Central Florida. You know, you got Universal, what they do, Disney, what they do, SeaWorld. Uh, what are your thoughts on these types of events and, and what are the elements of them uh, that that really appeals to you the most? So my thought is, one, it is fantastic for business. Um, it's uh, for the theme park business. You know, they a lot of them claim it as, you know, another quarter for the year, a 13th month for the year. Um, you know, if, if you think about it for the month of October and now really for the month of September and October, uh, you know, they've got daytime visitation during the day. Uh, and then a lot of them are a separated ticketed event. So then they're filling up the parks again in the evening. Uh, so to be able to get, you know, two tickets in one day uh, that, you know, that that's a heck of a that's a heck of a thing to be able to do. And I think that it's telling every year, even if it's just by a couple of days, the events are either getting longer more nights are being added in the middle or they're starting a little bit sooner. Uh, you know, heck, you, you know, you look at like you know, SeaWorld Universal, you know, starting sort of uh, that first weekend of September, you know, but, you know, Disney, they're like, hey, what can we do in August? Right. I mean, you know, you know, I wasn't even thinking about Halloween quite yet. You know, they're ready to get folks out there. So I think that that is great. I will say, though, that the main storyline, in my opinion, is SeaWorld taking the or making the strategic decision to bring Hallow Scream to Orlando. Um, I feel like that is something that people maybe have heard, but they kind of overlooked or maybe they didn't realize how big of a deal it was. You know, for years you had Universal Orlando that did Halloween Horror Nights and then SeaWorld Orlando. You know, they had Spooktacular for the kids and then Disney obviously had their Halloween offerings. And then really the only other like major spooky event in Central Florida was Hallow Scream at Busch Gardens. And two years ago, you know, they said, hey, um, you know, this second year they're doing it. They said, hey, let's bring it to Orlando, you know, and, and we feel that our product can go head to head with, you know, Halloween Horror Nights at, Orlando, at Universal Orlando. And I just think that's cool. You know, um, I think that business and competition <laughs> makes everybody better, right, if we're competing. Um, but I think that's really cool. And I've enjoyed the event. I think they've done a heck of a job uh, bringing it, even though it's just, you know, in its second year, uh, they're doing a really good job out there. Yeah, this year was the first time I really started hearing a lot about what SeaWorld was doing during the Halloween season. Yeah, they've they've done a great job. And what I really like about it is obviously it's new. So, you know, it's hard to compare something that's in its first or second year to an event that's in its, you know, 30 plus years. Um, but that being said, it, it doesn't feel like there's that big of a gap in my personal opinion. You know, it isn't like you go to SeaWorld and they just have one haunted house or maybe other events you know have eight nine ten uh you know obviously there's still room to grow um but i I thought they did a wonderful job 
Yeah, I mean, it's funny that you mentioned the uh, how it's like the fifth quarter uh, because, I, you know, I've got friends that work for Universal and, you know, other parks down there like that. And it's like that, you know, asking what business is like those days. It's like, well, on days when there's horror nights, it's two days in one. You get a full park during the day, it clears out, you get a full park at night, you know. So that, that's pretty yeah. incredible. Um, you know, but uh, kind of shifting gears here a little bit. Uh, one of your recent blogs that's that's on uh, orlandoinformer.com talks about vegan options at Halloween Horror Nights. Um, are you a fan of park food? And what's some of your favorite? I am a fan of park food. And first, I want to say not only am I a fan of park food, I am a fan of that article and theme parks doing what is happening in that article where they are expanding the offerings to others, right? If you're if there's certain cuisine that maybe, uh, you know, you're allergic to and that you can't have, if there's certain things that you prefer over the other, I, I love when parks are saying, hey, hot dog and a hamburger, chicken fingers isn't going to cut it for everybody. You know, what else can we do? I mean, obviously, they don't always get it right, uh, but I'm a big fan of mm -hmm the parks um expanding their offerings like that uh, and of course am i am i a fan of food of course i am a fan of food um uh, you know it's it's kind of hard to pick a favorite um but i gotta tell you sea world uh it, it, the sea world parks in at bush gardens they, they run this deal it's an all-day dine deal um where you can get your ticket and then you can eat a full meal i'm talking entree sides and a drink uh every 60 to 90 minutes i think that's the best deal in town I mean, you know, I, I can eat I can eat a lunch, you know, every ninety minutes. That's that's my kind of place. So, <laughs> theme park food. Awesome. All right. Well, down there in Central Florida, you've got so much to see and do. It obviously keeps you pretty busy with the Orlando Informer, with everything that's happening with the parks there. Uh, but do you ever get a chance to travel outside of Florida much? Go to some other parks, and if so, what are some of your favorites? I do. Um, I actually just got back from one of my favorites, which is Dollywood. I was up in Pigeon Forge and had a chance to stay at Dollywood. Uh, meet with some people there so had a wonderful time at that park it's a wonderful park and it's ran by some wonderful people uh, and that is not a that is not a sponsored uh, they made me say that i don't have a business deal with them that's just personal opinion uh, i love dollywood and i love the people there behind that product uh spent some time about also georgia uh, my home park actually used to be uh, uh miracle strip in panama city beach closed for a few years now but growing up, up to there um, but yeah I, I spent most of my time in central florida uh, but i do get to venture out every once in a while. all right you mentioned dollywood what's your favorite attraction there oh man um at dollywood they got some really good coasters i i feel like they've got great coasters you know sometimes you know you, you throw green paint on something and you call it an ip or whatever the case is but uh you know from uh man I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to go with all of the major coasters at Dollywood, especially because when I was there a week ago, I read, I ran, excuse me, I rode all of them in under like 45 minutes. I got there super early in the morning. It was freezing for this Florida boy, but I put on as many jackets I could. Um, and, you know, fire check, fire, excuse me, fire check, fire the Eagle Coaster, Lightning Rock. I mean, all of them. I just yeah. love them. Yeah, my favorite attraction there is the Dollywood Express. I like uh, Mystery Mine. That that's yeah. probably right. Mystery behind Mine Mystery is so Mine cool. Company. I love the vertical lift hills and stuff. Um, I think that's that's so neat. I also like um, uh, what's what's what do they call Fire in the Hole at that park? I'm trying to think of it. Um, Blazing Fury. I think that's so fun. Oh, Blazing Fury. I was like, I was like, are you talking about a show? Yeah, Blazing Fury. That's yeah. incredible. Anyway, um, so Don and I have talked a lot about the impact of smartphones, uh, particularly mobile apps and parks. Um, and most people agree that Disney's kind of at the forefront of that because they were the first to have reservations and so on. Um, how do you think that apps and smartphones affect a park experience? Gosh, that is, um, that's a big one. So one, they definitely impact the park experience. You can say that it's positive. You can say that it's negative, but there is a huge impact, whichever positive. So I'm a personal believer of the app i think that parks should have an app now i think that there are different tiers of those apps you know some parks you go to maybe you go to a regional park all they have is like a pdf version of their map personally i would prefer a little bit more than that 
then, you know, you can start getting into the apps that do things where you can make part reservations, like you were saying. Um, I can make purchases, you know, if I want to buy an express pass or a lightning lane or whatever the case is. Uh, they've removed some friction in those in those purchases. I really like that. And then on top of that, you know, some parks are doing uh, interactive features within their apps. You know, I can walk by a, a show set scene and I can make a light flicker or there's some type of story. That is really cool. Um, the only problem with that is when you add those things, often it makes the app. Um, mm -hmm. So sometimes people may, I don't know, download something too big on my phone. But also things like that, they're really cool. But to get the impact, especially on the interactive portions, you've got to know that they're there. Like you've got to know like, hey, like there's this cool augmented reality overlay and it only works in this land at this park. And, you know, the parks work really hard to make this incredible experience. But if I don't know it's there or if I don't fully understand how to work it, then I think that it's a lost experience. Last thing I'll say about the app, I don't think that it should ever be seen as something that would replace the park or compete with the park. My personal opinion, the worst thing that can happen is you build this incredible billion dollar land and everybody walks in, they're just looking down at their phone. I, you know, you don't want that to happen. I think that it should be a complement to what is happening in the park part uh and not a church yeah matthew i 100% agree with you there on that uh you know ryan and i we've also discussed like the augmented offerings you know things like fast passes vip tours dining plans you know things like that uh do you see the trend toward this as a good thing uh for the industry in the parks um you know if so what are your favorite um you know we'll call it upgrade experiences that you've paid for I am a fan of upgraded experiences, but I'm only a fan of the upgraded experience if it offers me something that I didn't think I should already be getting when I bought my park ticket. Personally, the worst feeling in the world is to feel like I'm getting nickel and dimed at a park. Uh, now, if I go to a park and I know that it is a, a you know, pay per attraction type thing, it doesn't bother me. You know, if I'm going to a fair or something like that, I know what I'm getting myself into. Um, but if I'm going to, you know, a large scale theme park where I think I am purchasing a ticket and then once I get into the park now, on top of that, I'm having to pay for, you know, a lot of amenities or other things that I that either used to be included pre-COVID or that I feel should be. Not a big fan of that. Uh, in terms of is it good for the business? One, I think it's good for the theme parks because they wouldn't be doing it if they weren't making money off of it. Two, I think it's good for the guest experience because, you know, if I have. Um, the disposable income to be able to purchase these things there are some parks where i can really get some cool experiences and you think about like you're talking about my favorites the universal express pass at universal orlando you know i think that's incredible and that's pretty simple you know if, if you compare like the way that universal does it to the way that disney does it uh, you know you can say one's better than the other you know it won't hurt my feelings either way but the universal one very simplistic right i'm, I'm either going to buy a pass and i can you know skip the lines go through the universal express queue or I can stay on site, and I think that staying on site at a Universal Orlando Resort hotel that allows you to have Universal Express, that's one of the best deals in the business. Um, it's easy. I don't have to make you know reservations. I can get it. I can go into the park. That. Yeah, shout out to uh, Portofina, my favorite Universal, uh, <laughs> my favorite Universal Resort. I think that's the coolest one there with the little in-cove of the lake that comes in from the canal and, and so on. Anyway, uh, so another blog on your site, this one by Kaylin Nichols, uh, pits Velocicoaster versus Hagrid's. She basically puts them up as a tie. What's your preference between the two, if you have one, of course? So I think that it is a tie, and I think that the tiebreaker is me as a consumer or a guest, right, me as a guest, what do I prefer? If I go and get on Hagrid's and I'm looking for a replacement of Top Thrill Dragster, point it. Right. <laughs> if I'm going on Velocicoaster and I enjoy these, but I'm looking for more of a, you know, more special effects, not that I would be disappointed, but I think that Hagrid's would, you know, would, would outrank them. Um, it's so close, but for me personally, I think Hagrid's is still my favorite. Um, I love, spoiler alert, I love, mm. you know, frontwards, backwards, multiple launches. Um, I think that it, the track experience is just so unique compared to Velocicoaster. Velocicoaster is an incredible attraction. But for the most part, the elements in that coaster aren't unique mm. to that coaster. 
there are some special things about it. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to get hate mail. I love that roller coaster. But what makes Velocicoaster cool is those elements that maybe are noises, right? But the way that they are themed inside the Raptor paddock and the way that the story combines into those thrills, that's what makes it so unique. Versus Hagrid's, and, you know, you know, you look at, there's some comparable things. Let's say like a Tron, right? It's it's not the only side-by-side coaster. You know, I understand that. Uh, but just story, you know, you're on the bike, you're on the sidecar. Uh, I've got to go with Hagrid's. <laughs> All right. Well, great insights there. And just to wrap things up, um, one more time, you know, where can our listeners, you know, again, find your blog, uh, these great ticket deals and things that you have. Uh, talk about that. Sure. So you can find everything that we do uh, by searching for Orlando Informer on any social media platform. And then you'll see a link there that will take you to OrlandoInformer.com. So at OrlandoInformer.com on our homepage, you'll see everything from news uh, to what's happening into the theme parks. So if you are looking for tickets or anything else on top of that, uh, you'll be able to find it at OrlandoInformer.com. All right. So at this point in the show, we normally do this thing called pick six where Don and I pick six stories or patents or, you know, anything that's come out from the industry in the last week that we found interesting and we want to discuss. But since we have a special guest on today, we're going to have a special segment. So what we're going to do is we're going to have a segment called do not miss. And Don and I are going to go back and forth and we're going to ping Matthew with a different category and a different park. And he's going to tell us the item not to miss, whether it's a ride, a show, or whatever. So let's start off with the rides. Matthew, what is the do not miss ride at Disney World as a whole? Oh, I mean, I'm going to have to go with Rise. I know that that, you know, that's kind of the buzz, but it's just, it, it's incredible. Rise of Resistance, uh, you know, in uh, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. And I just think if you could only do one attraction, there's several that I'd love to send you to, but I think yeah, I mean, I've, I've heard I haven't been on that yet, but I've heard wonderful things. I've actually got catching up to do in uh, in Disney. Uh, I haven't been to Disney in about five years, probably longer. So I've still got to do Avatar. I've got to do Toy Story Land, and I've got to do all of the Star Wars stuff except for the original one. Oh so, yeah, lot to look forward to. And if you wait just a little bit, you could do Tron. You know, if you. Yeah, I plan on going for like an actual vacation, uh, hopefully in the spring, early spring. So uh, I'll time that up with Tron. Okay. Absolutely. Well, Matthew, new argument uh, from my end on on what you feel is that uh, don't miss attraction at Disney. But let's move on to Universal. What is the do not miss attraction to ride there? Um, It's not the newest, but if I can only take you on one, it would be uh, Escape from Gringotts. So you would take Escape from Gringotts over uh, Forbidden Journey? I would. I would. And the reason for that is if I could if I could give you a tour and walk the track, it would be Forbidden Journey. You know, you talk about all the elements, the you know, the carousel of the screens, the Kuka arms, the robotics. It's incredible. The issue I have with that, it's an incredible ride, but it still makes some people motion sickness. You know, that this idea of I'm getting flipped in front of the screens. Um, you know, again, not talking bad about it, love the attraction, but that is the one reason why I would pick Gringotts. Green gets to me over uh, okay. Forbidden Journey. Uh, I, I understand where you're coming from. For see, for me, and uh, we'll we'll discuss this later as to what my I think my favorite ride on earth is. It's somewhere in Orlando, spoiler alert. But if I had to like chalk up from an academic standpoint a perfect ride, um, and you you mentioned the flaw in my logic right there, so thanks for making me look like a fool on my own show. But <laughs> but um uh that ride, Forbidden Journey, is it's entertaining. You don't have to know Harry Potter. I don't know Harry Potter. I've only seen part of one movie, you know, so I'm not familiar with it, but I love the theming. Um, it's just thrilling enough, but it's not too thrilling. Um, and it, you, it doesn't really expose how it works. So I think that that's like got a perfect, but you're right. Like I've seen a lot of people get motion sick on that. So spoiler. Okay. Um, do not miss a ride at Bush Gardens, Tampa. Um, I think I'm going to have to go with Cobra's Curse. I just think that in terms of theming and, you know, being able to see it there at the front, that's incredible. And But honestly, though, and I might get some hate mail for this, Iron Gwazi is incredible. Um, I just think that Cobra's Curse is just super unique in terms of the way that the car is spinning and everything. Um, it's a toss-up, but probably going to go with Cobra's yeah, Curse. I don't disagree with that one. All right. Uh, SeaWorld. 
I'm sorry, which part? SeaWorld. Oh, um, I think it's SeaWorld I'm going to go with Mako. Uh, it is my favorite of uh, all the coasters that are there. You know, obviously, um, in, in terms of, you know, every coaster on the planet, you know, I'm not going to say it's the most unique coaster, but I just love it. Um, I love how it's themed to the sharks. I love how when you're walking through the land and it does that last element over the guest pathway, uh, probably going to take you to Mako. All right, moving on. The do not miss show and we'll start uh, with disney world i think i'm gonna go with fantasmic um i loved it it would have been my answer pre-covid and now that it's back open uh it's my answer again like i said i hadn't seen it so they've added the new show scenes but um i, I just love fantasmic excellent choice um what about universal they don't have as many shows but what's your favorite show what's the one that you do not miss at universal Well, not only do I think it's my favorite show at Universal, I think it's my favorite show in all of Central Florida. And it may be the best theme park show ever created. That is big things to say, but it's the truth. And that is the Bourne Suntacular. It is absolutely incredible. Um, I like to say that Indy at Hollywood Studios walked so that Bourne could run. Um, just the combination of live action, the robotic sets that are moving, the timing of how they move with the giant screen behind it, the other uh, elements that are there. I won't give it away, but um, I love that show, and I could watch it again and again. Yeah, I, uh, last time I was at Universal, right. I did. Uh, it was Terminator, so I'm looking forward to doing Born next week. Terminator was good, but I think that this is a really big upgrade. All right, let's talk SeaWorld. Do not miss show. Best show there. Yeah, you know, they've got they've got a lot of shows there, um, you know, obviously with the animals and stuff. I'm going to pivot here and say Christmas. The Christmas celebration uh, that they do um, and being able to see all of the trees that are lighted up, the Christmas trees lighted up over the lagoon, and the way that they are, the lights are timed to the music uh, and the show elements there. Uh, I just love it. I know it's a holiday thing, so you might not be able to see it during the summer, obviously, but uh, I'm a big fan of the Christmas show at SeaWorld. Yeah. I mean, shout out to their summer show, too, which is similar. We've discussed this before, where it's lasers and fire and water, and it's just, ooh. Dude, if the Christmas show is better than that, like, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, do not miss show at uh, Bush Gardens Tampa. Uh, I think I'm going to go, again, seasonal, um, Hallow Scream. Uh, they've got some great shows there. Um, you know, you got things like themes and things like that. But just uh, I'm going to go with Hallow Scream entertainment shows during the Halloween season. In awesome. Cool. Don, what's our next category? The next category is food item. And uh, we'll start with Disney World. So if Ryan and I happen to stop at Disney World next week, what is our cannot miss food item? So this is cliche. I think it's obviously not the uh, the biggest, you know, the 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 big the biggest steak or anything like that. But I think we go to Main Street, and I think that we get us a chocolate Mickey bar. Um, just walk down Main Street, have the chocolate bar. I know, but I, I just love it. <laughs> I was hoping you would say like the Mickey cheeseburger. That's like my favorite. <laughs> well, it's thing. funny because uh, about a year ago, I was talking with my girlfriend's never been to love parks in Central Florida. So this is going to be a lot of her first experiences here next next week. And um, about a year ago, we were talking about going to Disney. She's like, I've always wanted to go there because I've wanted to try one of those pretzels shaped like the Disney head. And I'm like, they have like hundred dollar steaks there, and you're excited about the pretzel that tastes like any other pretzel shaped like a di di like a Mickey. Okay. <laughs> That's neither here nor there. Okay, do not miss food. Nostalgia. There's it no nostalgia. If she's never know. been there. <laughs> but but I guess um you know it's one of those things where it's uh you know at, at up here at Kings Island it's the blue ice cream and you know at different parks you you associate one thing with it and you really want to try it. and i could see where the disney pretzel thing um is pretty prevalent that and churros and you know the mickey ice cream bars and so on but um do not miss food item at universal hot yeah. butter beer um i think that there is nothing better than a cold evening walking to the park with a hot butter beer um, it's just, it's my favorite thing. Awesome. Good choice. SeaWorld. 
You know, I mentioned this earlier. I don't know if I have a favorite food item, but I have a favorite uh, food mm -hmm. process. And that process is me going to SeaWorld and eating a full meal with the all-day dine that they have there. Uh, we're talking sides, entree, drink, every 60 to 90 minute. I mean, it's just, it's hard to beat that. Uh, you know, I'm not necessarily looking for, you know, gourmet. I'm just looking for not going hungry for the day. I love that. I will say, though, uh, maybe runner-up or uh, maybe, you know, uh, honorable mention as well. Uh, I love Discovery mm -hmm. Cove, and uh, they've got some good food at Discovery oh, Cove yeah. as well. Don, have you ever been to Discovery Cove? Oh, you, you I got have it. not. I did it one day, and it's uh, he, he's not kidding. Like, I mean, it, it can get expensive if you do everything, but man, is it worth it? Because when else are you going to swim with dolphins, right? <laughs> All right. That's so right. What's the do not miss food <laughs> item at Bush Gardens, Tampa? Um, you know, I think I'm going to go with the same response. Um, you know, they run that same deal sometimes, the the all-day dine, and just to be able to go through the park. Um, oh, and actually, though, I take that back. I love that. They have a Chick-fil-A, though, <laughs> as well. And I'm a big fan of Chick-fil-A. So I love the deal, but waffle fries and looking at giraffes, I don't know, something cool about that. So uh, all-day dine, but uh, separate to that is uh, the Chick-fil-A. <laughs> Well, the giraffe sealed the deal there. You can only, you know, where else can you eat Chick-fil-A? Oh, I mean, see giraffes, right? <laughs> Put on, like, National Geographic and eat waffle fries. Does that get you the same? Ah, uh, never mind. <laughs> it's not the same. It's, yeah, you don't have a Serengeti. Yeah, where, you're going to stand in the backyard. Well, you know, what's funny is, like, you know, taste <laughs> Taste is like smell with the emotions as far as, you know, you, you have certain connections and stuff, and your brain is wired a weird way, so... Like if you eat Chick Fil A at Bush Gardens Tampa, you may always affiliate Chick Fil A with Bush Gardens Tampa, you know. Because I can tell yeah. you now That's that, like the, you know, I'll smell like one of the things. Um, like when they asphalt the parking lot, it makes me think of um, my my local park because they always seal it before opening day. They do a lot of that, so the park always smells that way. So I smell that no matter what time uh -huh. of year it is, and it puts me in a good mood. So that's that's a little too much information for this podcast, but that's yeah. cool. Well, well, yeah, well, let me ask you this, Matthew. You know, I've, I I know I hear this all the time is, you know, people will say, like, the pizza at the park tastes better than it does at the restaurant locations around town and that. Uh, so let's talk about the waffle fries. Are they better at Bush Gardens than if you go to uh, a Chick-fil-A on the street? Oh, oh, man, that's a tough one. I'm going to say yes because of the environment that I'm meeting them in. Um, it's cool to go through a drive through it's cooler to walk under a roller coaster. Um, so I'm going to go with uh, better at Bush Gardens. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Matthew, moving on to our final category here, uh, we're going to talk about that, um, you know, that upgrade experience. Uh, so Disney World, the can't miss upgrade experience at Disney World is? So I got two. One is, for the general public, uh, the upgrade dessert parties. I just think it's cool. You've got dessert. You're watching a fireworks show. Um, you know, it is an upcharge, uh, but I like that. And then in terms of, like, up, up, upcharge, um, when you talk about the VIP tours uh, that they do, um, I just think that's incredible. Now, that, you know, that is a hefty price tag, but, you know, being behind the scene, getting escorted up to the attraction, uh, you know, getting the spiel, you know, from your tour guide of what you're seeing and all that kind of stuff. I, I think that's hard to beat. Have you ever done the, um, like, behind the scenes of their, like, steam train? No, no, but I would love to. Yeah, that was one I was eyeballing before they shut the train yeah. down. Yeah. And hopefully, and, and you know, they've, they've been teasing that it's going to open up soon. Uh, you know, they had they posted some videos of it along with the Tron coaster construction. So, well, Don soon. and I covered on the show a uh, right. about a month ago that um, it's been reported that uh, they've recalled the what Don what was it like the the employees were recalled for training or whatever? Or do you remember that? Yeah, for the train. Yeah, yeah. They they did uh, bring back the the train cast members uh, for training and. Uh, They've got the Tron crew. I've saw that, mm -hmm. uh, you know, through different social media posts that, uh, you know, certain people, cast members have been selected to be part of that crew. Uh, so it's getting close. I love it. Really exciting. Uh, what's the uh, do not miss upcharge attraction at Universal? Um, I'm going to go with, so they have the tour mm -hmm. as well, which I love. Um, but I, for me, the initial can't miss is just getting a Universal yeah. Express Pass. You know, if, if you're there on, you know, a day, right, daytime trip to the park, or if you're trying to hit, you know, as many of the Halloween Horror Nights houses as you can do in an evening, 
um, that pass, it can be a lifesaver. That pass, it can just make your life so much easier. Um, again, you can buy it, you know, when you're at the park or before you arrive at the park, but also you can, you know, stay on site and, you know, certain of the, the resorts there offered as well as, you know, as a privilege of staying there. Um, I'm, I'm a big awesome. fan of that. All right, let's talk SeaWorld now. What is the uh, do not miss upcharge experience there? So, you know, we were talking about shows and stuff. You, there are some of those you can, you know, you can dine, you know, with, you know, with, with orcas or, you can, you know, near the sharks, that sort of thing. Uh, but I think I'm actually going to go with Discovery Cove. Um, I feel like when people look at that, sometimes there's confusion. Like, is it another park? You know, like, what is it? So going to Discovery Cove, but then doing the upcharge within Discovery Cove of being able to swim with the dolphins, um, I think is really cool. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that, uh, you know, if I want to add in, um, you know, dining with Shamu is kind of fun, you know, that that's a different experience. And, um, cause that's the only one I've done. Yeah. So that was a good time, but that was a long time ago. So I don't know if it's the same thing or not. Um, I, this is definitely stuff I want to look into. You're bringing up some feels, Matthew. I don't know what, how I feel about that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's talk, uh, Bush Gardens, Tampa favorite upcharge attraction there. Upcharge experience. <laughs> I think I'm going to go with uh, the Serengeti. Uh, you can go out there, and uh, they'll take you out on the you know the safari jeep, and you're able to you know feed the giraffes and you know that kind of stuff. Um, I just think it's really cool being being out there. Um, you know, it really feels like you're in Africa. So, <laughs> um, all right. So since we have a few minutes left here, let's let's do a little thing. This is off script, so Don doesn't even know about this. So we're going to play a little game called this or that. So I'm going to give you two things, two attractions. And you tell me which one you prefer over the other. So it's kind of like the other one, except I'm going to actually pit two things up against each other. Uh, I'll do it. And then Don start thinking of yours or whatever. So okay. let's start off with the, with the one that Don's thinking of right now, clearly. And it's Dollywood Express versus the Walt Disney World Railroad. Which one do you prefer? Man, I hate to go against Dollywood, but I, I got to go with Walt Disney mm -hmm. World. Uh mainly because of the more sights and sounds that you see. It's beautiful on Dollywood. Dollywood, don't hate me on this one. You know, if Do I'm sure Dolly Parton oh, I'm sure she does. So Dolly, I love you. Um, I love you, Train. But, uh, you know, I think I got to go with the magic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one. like, it, it, it's hard to decide because Dollywood's Train, it's the only train I know that you, you have a park with so many awesome attractions and stuff, and it's like, did you ride the train, though? So, like, uh, I'm sure it was a hard decision. Yeah. Don, what can you think of, this or that? Okay, this or that, I'm going to go with It's a Small World or the Peter Pan ride. Ooh. Um, you know, It's a Small World is classic, a lot of history there, but I just love soaring with Peter Pan. Um, I just love soaring over those 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 scenes there, so I'm uh, going go to go with Peter Pan. All okay. right, good choice. Let's try uh, Cat in the Hat or E.T., Oh, come on. <laughs> okay, so um, air condition-wise, Cat in yeah. the Hat all day. Uh, I feel like Cat in the Hat has enough air condition to run its attraction and like three mm. of the lands at Islands of Adventure. Uh, so best AC, Cat in the Hat. Um, experience, nostalgic, smell, uh, Steven Spielberg becoming your best friend, all that for E.T. Adventure. Oh, so yeah, yeah. Hi, I'm Steven Spielberg. Okay, okay. And it's like, no, you're, oh, wait, no, it is, you know. But yeah, the only thing, that, I remember the last time I wrote it, it was so hot. We went in like July. And then that part when you go through like E.T.'s home world, which I think is the first time you're exposed to that. Oh, it's yeah. so hot in there. But but I could not recommend E.T. more. It's such a cool ride. But Don, you're up. Thunder Mountain or the Seven Dwarfs roller coaster? Which one? Got to go with Thunder Mountain. Um, one, just overall from a, an experience, um, I just personally think that Thunder Mountain, Big Thunder Mountain is a better experience. Um, I love the Seven Dwarfs Coaster. I think that it's really cool, the the, the, the train swing. Um, it's, it's cool that it has the indoor show scene as well. The animatronics are great. It just feels a little short. Um, I, I just feel like overall Big Thunder Mountain feels like a more complete experience, even though it's an older attraction. Yeah, you know, I have Big Thunder Mountain. It's one of my favorite coasters. And people say, hey, can you give me your top 10 or whatever? And I have it in there. And people kind of raise their eyebrows. But I think it's an outstanding ride. Yeah. Agreed. And as a kid's coaster, it still is fun. Like, it, like 
it looks good. You know, you can go to Orlando or if you want to go out to the one in California as well, a couple of different, you know, uh, special effects out there. But both of them, they just look good. But they're also they're thrilling. Right. I mean, you know, it, it's not a world breaking, you know, speed type coaster, but you don't get on and think, man, that was slow. You know, like it's a fun coaster. And I think children all the way to adults. Yeah. One thing I've noticed about Disney coaster specifically is that they're longer than you think they're going to be, too. Like the experience time wise is very long. Um yeah. Um, let's do Frozen or Maelstrom. Uh, okay, so me, myself, and I, Matthew Miller, are going to go with Maelstrom. But I have a three-year-old daughter. Actually, she turns three tomorrow um, that could sing Frozen 30 times in a day and not get tired of it. So being the father that I want to be and to make my daughter always happy. So I'm that's a Frozen. solid Maelstrom for you. <laughs> <laughs> and happy birthday to your daughter, by yeah, the way. I think my daughter would go with that one, too. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Uh, Tower of Terror or the Rock and Roller Roller Coaster? And just to confirm, Tower of Terror, we're still at Walt Disney World. All so these Walt are, Disney unless World. otherwise right. specified, we're talking Orlando, Central Florida. Okay. Um, I, I got to tell you, I love walking through the queue uh, with Aerosmith. I think it's great when you walk into the show, to the show building. Uh, the music is pumping. You know, you go into the studio there. Um, that's all great. But, I mean, how in the world can you vote against Tower of Terror? I mean, it. you know, it, as a kid, it scares you when you're five miles away from the park and you just kind of see it above the skyline. You're riding the tram in. You know, you can't miss it. You're walking up to the park. You can't miss it. Then you get in there and, you know, just the way that it, the, you know, the elevator, you know, as it, as it moves, you know, obviously the, the, the vertical motion, but, you know, being able to move through those show scenes. Um, that is an attraction. There, there are only a couple attractions, in my personal opinion, that are way ahead of their time. Or not only were they way ahead of their time, it just feels like every decade they can hang with the best of what's being built. And to me, Tower of Terror is one of those attractions that um, it just feels timeless. And I think that, you know, I'm sure, like we were talking Rise of the Resistance earlier, it's new. It's, it's an incredible attraction as well. Uh, but, I, you know, I think the Tower of Terror is, isn't too far behind, you know, even though it's, you know, it's a few decades. Yeah, a lot of people ask me what my favorite ride is. and I always tell them Tower of Terror. I think I alluded to this earlier in the show. But uh, Tower of Terror, I love Rod Serling. I love the Twilight Zone. So that, that that's what particularly <laughs> tickles me. So that's pretty cool. All right. Um, how about let's go. Let's go with Spaceship Earth or the Great Movie Ride. Mm. Uh, Spaceship Earth in its Spaceship current iteration, Earth. sponsored by Siemens. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Um, I know I might get some hate mail for this one, but I'm going to go with Spaceship okay. Earth, and this is the reason why. I loved the Great Movie Ride, but I always felt like they tried to do too much in the space. Obviously, they didn't call me when they were building the attraction, but personally, I could have taken about two-thirds of the movies that they put in The Great Movie Ride and then expanded those scenes. Um, you know, again, it's hard to vote against The Great Movie Ride. It, it was incredible, but got to go with Spaceship Earth. Um, you know, again, it's it, it's been there for a while. I, I, I love it. Uh, you know, I love when you – also when you get off of the attraction, the interactives that they have in the queue. I know it's probably not a, per, uh, you know, a, a popular opinion, but um, I, I think I got to go with my so, go with Spaceship Earth. Also, the the new lights on oh the outside of it—that's awesome. You know, the, the icon, right? The to, to to be a lighted up icon that that should have been that way a long. I can't believe time it ago. wasn't. I can't and, believe you know, that's what takes uh, what I, I like. What a project it was to install all those in the geodesic sphere. There had to have been thousands of them. Yeah. Um, but would you would you agree with me when I say now? Granted, like I'm speaking from an ignorant standpoint because I have not ridden Rise of the Resistance, but. The Wizard of Oz scene from that is probably the most impressive scene in any um, theme park attraction until Rise opened. I think that there's I, the first time I did Great Movie Ride, I thought the uh, the witch, the Wicked Witch of the West, was a real actress for the first like fifteen seconds. That's how good of a job they did with it. Ah. Uh, okay, so I will definitely. I feel like it was one of the most iconic scenes in that mm -hmm. attraction. And I definitely think that you were right in the time that it opened. I don't know if I would pit that scene up against rise. Like maybe if we're talking open, like 
not opening day because there are right. obviously issues, but let's say a month after opening day of Great Movie Ride to current day um, uh, Rise of the Resistance, maybe. Um, but I, I think it's the I don't I don't know if I would say it's as good. It's definitely the most iconic. Well, no, I'm not saying it's as opinion. good as Rise, but I'm saying like between that ride opening and the opening of Rise, Rise took it over. Oh, but I, I, I don't I know see. of anything, sorry, I and and I and I I've ridden most things you know in that time period, but I I don't know of anything that's been as impressive as that you know up until Rise open. Yes, and. And I mean, if you think about it, I mean that that also that attraction basically had that park on its back when it first opened, right? I mean, there was no Tower of Terror, you know, that whole section of the park where Tower of Terror wasn't there. Um, you know, they've had no Toy Story, right. no Star Wars. So I think you're right. I think not only was it impressive, it had to be because that was basically the draw of the park. You know, rushing to get open before. Uh, so I'm Studios gonna. Park. I was gonna tell this story because it popped in mind. Uh, but I think that you you kind of know where I'm going out with this. If not, I'll hint you, but. So the great movie ride is responsible for Hollywood Studios. Do you do you know that story? So yes, but being the uh, the scholar and informer and legal contracts man that I am, I'm going to let you tell the story, and uh, and I will not. Okay. Along as you go. So um, basically, Matthew invented it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Matthew did not invent it. So <laughs> essentially, uh, my understanding is that this was an I, uh, Michael Eisner era thing where they originally drew up the prints for um, the great movie ride. I think it was at Epcot, right? Okay, just nod. <laughs> okay. So they drew the blueprints for it, and then they were like, well, let's just do a whole park like this, essentially. I mean, I'm sure that there was a little bit more from A to B, but essentially the great movie ride was what inspired doing a whole park based on you know, uh, golden age of Hollywood and actually making films and, and so on. So, um, so God bless it for that because we got a heck of a park out of it, I think. No. Yeah. I think that's a heck of a park. And that is also a park that I think continues to mm -hmm. age well, you know, like I wouldn't say that Hollywood studios was as good of a park, you know, 10 or 20 years ago as I would today. Now there were cool things about it, right? Like you think about, you know, the, the, the playground that was there, you, know, you think about the backlog, yeah. there's iconic things, but as an overall experience, I just feel like over the years, edition of star Wars, edition of toy story, you know, it's becoming more and more of a full It was growing park. pains. Cause the last time I went there, there was nothing to do. Uh, you know, you had tower of terror. So that was my money's worth, but, um, you know, um, Hollywood Boulevard and all that was all closed because they were building, Star Wars, but now there's like three more mm. lands since I've been there. You're, you're just reminding me I got to go. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, when was the last time you were there? Like 1997? Uh, they were building Animal <laughs> Kingdom. No, I'm just kidding. It was probably six years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So not terribly okay. long. All right. Well, Matthew. Yeah, Matthew, final this or that. We're going to go down to Bush Gardens, Tampa, and Shikra or Montu. Mm. Hmm. Shikra or Montu? I really like Montu a lot, but I think I got to go with Shikra. Um, just you're going over the edge. You know, it pauses before the drop. Um, you know, before Iron Gwazi, you know, it was it was basically the icon of the park. You know, you're driving by, you could see it from almost every side of. I mean, basically, you see it from every side of the park. You know, going floorless. You know, a little bit after it opened, I remember the commercial where they're where they're cutting off the the, the floor of the coaster. What have we done? Um, I think I got to go Shikra. Okay, yeah, I would agree with you on that too. And I love like the the splash yes. effect uh, that you have. And even if you're not riding it, I yes, mean, sit just there at the barbecue restaurant. That. It comes around, and it's kind of going over the roof. Yeah. The barbecue, re yeah, <laughs> you can't beat the smell of the barbecue when you're going down the drop and through those inversions and that. I mean, that just really enhances your Agreed. experience, doesn't Agreed. it? Yeah, I think that they're. Really, I I I would probably pick Montu, I guess. Um, but man, Shikra is the one that. I think that's still the icon of the park. I think Iron Gwazi has a lot of novelty and stuff, and um, I haven't been on it yet because I haven't been down there yet this year. But, um, I, I, you know, Shikra's, I mean, but, like, let's not forget about uh, Cheetah Hunt, too. I mean, Cheetah Hunt is, like, such a long ride, yeah. and it's got launches, and I, I think it's awesome. We haven't even talked about that today. I have still not given them for getting rid of Rhino Rally. I just want to put that in writing. Um, I am happy to buy a billboard at Tampa yeah, we'll if you guys want to go in. 
Um, I just thought that was the coolest thing. And all I think are, is Rhino Rally. And I know it should. It's an incredible coaster. Yeah. But that's just, just uh, that, you know, that's where my head's at. So <laughs> for, I rode Rhino Rally one time ever in my life. And uh, my friends were like, it's got this really cool thing that happens, but it's probably not going to work. And it worked. <laughs> so for those oh, wow. of you paying attention at home, why don't you describe it, Matthew? What's the special surprise that they had in Rhino Rally? Um, so there were rhinos and they would rally them. Yeah. They would cheer for uh, so, the team. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No. Um, so imagine going, uh, getting on a safari type attraction, mm-hmm. let's say a Jeep, right? Uh, maybe you've been on something similar in animal kingdom, right? And we're going to go out. So we're, you know, and this is not like animatronic animals. This is not a video. We're out in the wild. Right. And we're driving through the Jeep and, and it's incredible. And we're seeing the animals. Uh, and there is a section uh, where we have to uh, cross a bridge, like a, like a, a dam area. And whenever uh, we do, there there is an accident that happened. And uh, basically the, the river flooded and, and it broke away the section of the bridge that the Jeep was on. So so imagine being on a real Jeep and you're really on a bridge, but this, the middle portion of the bridge is attached to an underwater mm-hmm. track. And, uh, you know, so then it would break away. So now I'm on a Jeep on a piece of broken track that is floating in the river and we floated down the river. Uh, and then eventually we ran into some debris where that, that section would stop. And then we drove, you know, the Jeep drove off of there. Um, but yeah, it was just so unique. Uh, I just remember the first time I was on that thing and, you know, see what I thought was going to happen is I thought that the bridge was going to shake a little bit, you know, that sort of thing. Um, I didn't realize that it fully broke away and that you floated down the river. Um, and, and then, you know, for those of you that are listening now, uh, you know, when you are on, on uh, the Chinook Coaster, that is uh, when it goes through the, the river section, the canyon section there, uh, that is the leftover remnants of uh, where you used to float. Yeah, I, I remember, um, you know, I sat all the way on the right side. So I remember looking down and seeing track in the water. I was like, why is there track in the water? You know, and I was like, well, do they use that for maintenance? Is it with the animals? Because I know a fair amount about rides and marketing and social media and PR, but I don't know a whole lot about animals. So I was like, how are they? And then the thing shifted. I was like, that's what that's for. <laughs> awesome. Well, yeah, hey, really thanks cool. again for being on the show. We really, really appreciate it. Um, we're looking forward to uh, connecting with you in person next week at the IAPA convention. We have a lot of exciting things going on as far as uh, we're going to be doing some interviews with ride manufacturers and different people in the industry. And there's going to be some announcements and some ride car reveals. And it's going to be so fun. So uh, follow along with us uh, on our Twitter, attractions underscore GRP. Find us at... Uh, on your favorite podcast apps by looking for the Attractions Group podcast and on uh, YouTube so you can see our excellent video that we made today uh, by searching for the Attractions Group podcast. And then, Matthew, why don't you tell them one more time where to find you? Absolutely. So um, I got it twofold here. So obviously, you know, I am an executive at Orlando Informer. So if you are planning, you know, a trip to Central Florida, you know, if you're looking for information, please come see us there. But I also have to give a shout out uh, personally, uh, my social media is Weewa Miller. I'm from a little town called Weewa Hitchcock, Florida. Shout out to you, from Weewa listening. Uh, so W-E-W-A Miller. And I tell you that because I'm not trying to become Instagram famous, not trying to become Twitter famous, but I remember roughly 15 years ago being a high school college student and wanting to be in the theme park industry more than anything. Wanted to be a roller coaster designer, wanted to work on these projects, and I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know how to get started. And one of my favorite things in the world is to connect with people that were like me 20 years ago, wanting to do this. So if you're listening to this and you're wanting to get into the industry, uh, by all means, please reach out to me. Again, that's Weewon Miller, Twitter, Instagram, you know, uh, across the board, and uh, shoot me a DM, and I'd love to chat with you. Um, you know, obviously not going to promise you a job, you know, it don't want to run like that. Uh, but, you know, I've, I've spent a lot of time designing attractions and, you know, now helping uh, lead Orlando Informer and uh, get there's nothing that makes me more happier than helping. People that's awesome. And in we will. So if you're listening to this and that's what you're awesome. To do, we, we will, of course, link to uh, the Weewa Miller Twitter as well as the Orlando Informer Twitter and the Orlando Informer website. And we'll give a little blurb in both the description uh, for YouTube as well as the description for, you know, the various podcast apps. Awesome. Um, 
So, uh, yeah, well, thanks again. And uh, once again, it's orlandoinformer.com for all of your Central Florida booking needs. Uh, so give them a check. Uh, one thing that I found on there that was awesome was your uh, your blogs. I think that they're well-written and they're interesting and just anyone with any interest. But um, So, Don, do you have any final thoughts before we sign off? You know, I feel with this episode, we learned a lot. We grew as people. And uh, we appreciate yeah. your time. Matthew, any final thoughts? Uh, well, thank you guys. It's been great connecting with you and always fun to talk theme parks. Um, I wish you the best, you know, for this episode and your future episodes and can't wait to, uh, meet awesome. you in person. Well, thanks, in IAPA. thanks again, Matt. We'll see right. you guys a lot next week. Cause we're going to IAPA. We'll see you next week. <laughs>